0: So has a member of your family or someone close to you ever displayed uncharacteristic behavior? Uh, It could be that they became moody or short-tempered, combative. Uh, Maybe they became a bit withdrawn or depressed. Now, this isn't always the case, uh, but it could have been that there was something that was making them feel anxious and worried because anxiety can have a very negative effect on our overall demeanor and perspective. It's almost impossible to be anxious and joyful at the same time. It's very difficult to be anxious and grateful at the same time because when we're we're anxious, we're focused on some situation or problem that seems completely overwhelming. Today, we're going to see how we might replace that anxiety with peace so that we can give heartfelt thanks And praise to the Lord. Paul begins this part of the letter by saying, Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again. Rejoice. Now when Paul wrote this letter to the church at Philippi, he was in a very serious situation. He was in prison, facing the possibility of execution. Yet we read that one sentence, Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. And we think, well, that doesn't sound like someone writing from a Roman prison. Seems that Paul was full of joy. He was at peace. His situation had not overcome him. And we think, well, how can that be? doesn't make any sense for someone in such a dismal situation to be so upbeat. Reminds me of something that a friend of mine once told me. He uh, does a lot of prison work uh, in various parts of the world. And he was in a particular prison. I can't remember exactly where it was. I think it may have been in Eastern Europe. And this place was miserable. It was cold and gray and dark and bleak and depressing. And he was on a wing that was uh, set aside for people serving a life sentence. And one of the prisoners came bounding over to him big smile on his face shook his hand vigorously and said life is good that is the last thing you would expect to hear from someone serving a life sentence in such a dismal place it turned out that he had given his life to Jesus whilst in prison he'd experienced God's peace and he was full of the joy of the Lord in spite of his circumstances could be that There's someone here today who longs for that kind of peace. God's peace, which transcends all understanding. Uh, Maybe it's been elusive. Uh, Maybe we've suffered from mental ill health. Maybe we've been to hell and back. Uh, It might be that we're full of anxiety, worry or stress. But it doesn't have to be that way. Jesus offers us an alternative. Paul continues, Let your gentleness be evident to all. Gentleness and peace go hand in hand. Think about the most peaceful person you've ever met. Were they also gentle? Think about the most gentle person you've ever met. Were they also peaceful? These things go together. The more we experience God's peace, the more that gentleness will become a permanent feature of our lives. So what should we do? How do we obtain this peace? Well, we see the answer in verse six. It says, do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And you might be thinking, well, it's all very well saying, don't be anxious. I am anxious. I can't help being anxious. But let's be clear about what Paul is not saying. He's not saying put a brave face on it. He's not saying try really, really hard not to be anxious. He's not saying you've just got to think positive. I'm not saying any of those things. He's saying in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. In other words, you don't need to be anxious because you can take whatever it is that you're dealing with to the God of the universe. But that implies a relationship, doesn't it? If we take every situation to the lord that's a lot of talking to god that's a relationship so we keep bringing our anxiety our stress our worry whatever it is keep bringing it to the lord laying it before him placing it in god's hands and in exchange he gives us peace not a peace that is self-generated but a peace that's conferred on us by god It's not the kind of fragile temporary peace that we might get from reading... Can you still hear me okay with that wind? Yeah, I've got a few nods, that's good. It's not the kind of fragile temporary peace that we might get from reading a couple of self-help books and trying really hard to think positive. It's a deep peace and a joy that comes from having a relationship with God through Jesus Christ and trusting Him completely no matter what we're going through. Because in Christ, we know where we've come from. We know why we're here. We know what happens when we die. We have the assurance of those things. And that assurance can bring us a deep sense of peace. Now, presumably, Paul would rather not have been in a Roman prison. But he recognized that God was using his imprisonment to advance the gospel. Now, he knows that he could either be released or executed. And he says, well, if I live, that's great because I can keep serving Christ. And if I die, well, I get to go and be with Christ. He says, for to me, to live is Christ and to die is gain. Paul has complete trust in the promises and the sovereignty of God, which is why instead of being anxious about his precarious situation, he's got this peace. He describes his peace in verse 7, And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. You see, God's peace and joy are not dependent on the immediate situation. They're dependent on our eternal situation. Our immediate situation can change from one day to the next. Our eternal situation is fixed. One of my favorite verses is Hebrews 6, verse 19. We have this hope as an anchor for the soul, firm and secure. Ordinarily, when someone says the word peace, what do you think of? Maybe you think of uh, lying on a beach with a cocktail and a book with nothing to contend with and no one to hassle you, completely free from all the stresses and trials of life. I mean, you'd expect to feel peaceful in that situation, wouldn't you? And some people chase that kind of peace their whole lives. They might think, if only I had enough money, then life would be good. I'd be happy. I'd be peaceful. So they do nothing but work. They accumulate a fortune. And then perhaps their marriage breaks down and they're miserable. Or they think, if only I didn't have the stress of work, life would be wonderful. So they spend most of their adult life looking forward to their retirement, planning for it, and then they retire. But maybe, maybe then they get seriously ill and they can't enjoy their retirement and they don't feel peaceful at all. In fact, they just feel fearful because they're confronted with their mortality. The kind of peace the world offers always has you looking forward to the next thing, the next situation, the next life phase, and it's always just out of reach. If lying on a beach with a cocktail in your hand is your idea of peace, you'll probably find yourself lying on that beach, planning the next holiday. You'll never be living in the moment. But the peace Paul describes is a peace that transcends all understanding. It's a peace that we can experience in the midst of the trials and the struggles of life. Whatever they may be, financial hardship, poor health, relationship broke, breakdown, family problems, work stress, whatever it is. It's a peace that the world wouldn't expect us to have. A peace that makes no sense unless you know Christ. But it's not just the day-to-day problems and personal situations that make us feel anxious. There's so much happening in the world that is causing people anxiety. The COVID situation, many are anxious about the dangers posed by the virus itself. Others are anxious about the effects of the lockdown on people's mental health, on their livelihoods. A lot of people are worried about all of those things. At climate change, climate anxiety, particularly among young people, is a serious thing. At Bath University in England conducted a survey of 10,000 people Aged 16 to 25 across 10 different countries, and the responses were really worrying. Nearly 60% of young people approached said they felt very worried or extremely worried. More than 45% said feelings about climate affected their daily lives. Three quarters said they thought the future was frightening, and over half, 50, 60, 50, sorry, 56% said they think humanity is doomed. Two-thirds reported feeling sad, afraid, or anxious. Isn't it terribly sad to think that many of our young people are feeling this way? So that's climate change. Then there's a situation between China and Taiwan. Many experts now agree that it's probably a matter of when and not if China invade Taiwan, an event that would have major if not catastrophic, global ramifications. And as if all of that's not already enough to worry about, we've we also got endless conspiracy theories, some of which manage to link COVID, climate change, China, and who knows what else in one big conspiracy theory. Uh, Unfortunately, I think a lot of Christians are susceptible to conspiracy theories and uh, become obsessed with them. I spent time with a couple recently, they're not from this church, you won't know them, but all they wanted to talk about were conspiracy theories, COVID vaccines, the Great Reset, the beast from the book of Revelation, all sorts of things. Despite my best efforts, I just couldn't change the subject. And there was some truth in some of the things they were saying. But are these the things that we should really be focusing on as Christians? Should this be our main focus, these conspiracy theories? Well, no, it shouldn't be. shouldn't be the primary focus. At the end of the letter, Paul tells us very clearly what we should focus on, what should be our primary focus. Verse 8, finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. And someone might say, well, such and such a conspiracy theory is true. And Paul tells us to think about things that are true. uh, Therefore, we should focus on it. But this list cannot be subjected to any and every interpretation. Paul is talking about the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ. The gospel is true, noble, right, pure, lovely, admirable, excellent and praiseworthy. So let me spell it out. Think about what Jesus has done for the world and what he's done for us. Think about what Jesus is doing in the world today and how we can join in. Think about what it means to be a follower of Christ in your family, at your workplace, among your neighbors. How can we put our faith into practice? That is what Paul is talking about. Look at verse 9. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice and the God of peace will be with you. The message is simple. If you want real and lasting peace, don't live for yourself. Live for Christ. If you want real and lasting peace, live for Christ. But let's be clear. The presence of peace and the absence of anxiety doesn't mean that we're in denial nor does it mean that we don't care take covid for example we don't have to be super anxious and worked up we don't have to lose sleep over it because we know that god is in control and our lives are bound up in his sovereign plan but equally it's not helpful to pretend there's no problem four and a half million people have died worldwide We might have different opinions about the world's response or our government's response, but the absence of anxiety doesn't mean that we bury our heads in the sand. Again, climate change. We don't have to be anxious because we know that ultimately God will renew and restore his creation. However, we should care deeply about this beautiful world that God has given us to steward and look after, and we should do everything we can to preserve and protect it. As Christians, we must recognize that this is part of our God-given responsibility to lovingly care for creation on his behalf. It's part of our witness, it's part of our purpose, it's part of our worship. Some Christians devote their whole lives to caring for God's creation, and that is noble, admirable, and praiseworthy. But still their outlook can be one of hope instead of one of hopelessness. And on a personal level too, even though we exchange anxiety for peace, we don't deny the stuff that's going on in our lives. And with God's help, we try to work through it in the most constructive and positive way that we can. Of course, some situations we have no control over. Paul was in a prison. He couldn't do anything about that. And that's when we most need to trust God, when we really do have no control. That's when we need to draw on this peace that God offers us. Finally, if you find yourself getting anxious and worked up about the stuff that's going on in the world, it might be a good idea to have a break from the media, mainstream and social. Now, it's good to be informed. We want to be informed, but not at the expense Of our mental health and sometimes we're consuming far more than we need just to stay informed Uh, tissa's dad found that the news was bringing him down so he stopped watching it and tissa and i noticed that uh, in florida where he lives the covid situation had got really serious so tissa rang her dad and he didn't even know um he wasn't completely uninformed he was self-isolating he wasn't he, he was only going out for essential groceries he's wearing a mask um But he didn't know that Florida had become the epicenter for COVID in the U.S. And he wasn't worried about it either. And remember that your social media stream is dictated by complicated algorithms that try to work out what you're interested in and then feed you more of the same because it wants you to keep coming back to your newsfeed. So if you watch a lot of YouTube videos about conspiracy theories, that's what you're going to get appearing on your newsfeed. And over time, too much of the same kind of information can change the way that we think and see the world. Have a break from all that stuff. Put on some worship music. Uh, Get into God's Word. Go out for a walk. Pray while you're walking. Watch watch a sermon on YouTube. Then you'll get sermons popping up instead of uh, depressing news. At the end of the day, what do we want to be feeding ourselves on? What do we want to be most focused on? What should be our primary concern? Surely, surely it ought to be Jesus Christ. Let me read verses 8 and 9 again. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice, and the God of peace will be with you. So we've been talking about rejoicing, rejoice in the Lord always. And this series that we're just finishing today is all about gratitude, giving thanks to God. But how can we rejoice or give thanks if we don't have peace? And we will not have peace if our minds are consumed with thoughts of scary global situations or conspiracy theories or even the struggles and trials of our own lives. Our primary focus must be on the gospel of Christ and how we should live in light of it. Our primary focus must be on the gospel of Christ and how we should live in light of it. That line of thinking will put everything else into perspective it leads to a deeper relationship with God, an indwelling of the Holy Spirit and a peace which transcends all understanding. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we recognize that um, there is much that's going on in the world that is cause for concern. And we do commit those things to you in prayer. And the things that we have control over in our own lives, we want to work towards uh, leading the best life that we can in Christ. But we recognize that there's a lot beyond our control as well. And that feeding ourselves with lots and lots of bad news or depressing news can bring us down when actually our primary focus should be you. What you've done in the world, what you're doing in the world, and what you're calling us to do in the world. And we pray that that we can make that our primary focus today and going forwards in our lives so that our main concern is your kingdom and how we can advance your kingdom in our sphere of influence. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.